It seems sheep wool is virtually worthless. So what's to happen to all those fleeces in the barn from this year's clip? It's worthless. Um, you know, we, we won't get paid from the wool board this year. And if you struggle to keep up with all the information bombarding you from across the farm, a tech firm has created a digital platform for all your farm information to aid with decision-making. In agriculture, you can get uh, a multiplicity of different sources of information. And that is uh, a significant challenge for agriculture. What does that mean and how does it work? Well, the answers to those questions and more on the Farming Programme this morning. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello. Well, the harvest well underway then. If that's you, hope it's living up to expectations. I'm Steve Orchard. Hope you've had a good farming week and are keeping well. Sheep, tech, planning, agronomy and a look at the markets. Lots to get through again today. First, let's have a look at the week's farming headlines. And we'll start with a bit of positivity. The view of UK farming held by the public continues on an upward trajectory. According to the latest NFU poll, 75% of people asked voiced a positive view, the highest figures since the annual survey was launched eight years ago. Field trials for TB cattle vaccination are to get underway following a major breakthrough by government scientists. DEFRA says the trials will work towards the deployment of a cattle vaccine by 2025. UK exports of sheep meat fell by nearly 20% in May due to the COVID-19 lockdown. Domestic lamb production was also down by a fifth, but there's been a general increase in the proportion of British pork products on the retailer's shelves. Bacon, sausages and total pig meat sales all increased, according to the National Pig Association. And sad to say, we've had another incident of terrible animal cruelty in Lincolnshire this week. You may find this report disturbing. It took place at Surfleet Marsh, where three sheep were deliberately run over and tortured, including being burned alive, and eight other sheep went missing, either stolen or chased into the River Welland, where they drowned. Farmer Tom French says the levels of cruelty are quite shocking and simply can't understand why. It's obviously something really in the head that um, just isn't right and I just can't expect anybody to have done that. So, yeah, I think the main reason is just, like, why would you do something like that? It's not really criminal damage, it's uh, animal cruelty. Absolutely dreadful and incomprehensible as to why anyone would want to do such a thing. We're staying with sheep for our first feature this week and that's the price, or lack of it, of wool. The wool market's declined sharply since 2014 with the continued growth in the use of synthetic fibres, supply chain consolidation, US tariffs, Chinese products and, of course, COVID-19 all having an effect. Chris Elkington is a sheep farmer near Grantham and, having diversified into retail, then had to face the loss of his customers with shows and markets closing during lockdown. Now he can't even make any money from the wool. Chris, you've had yours collected this week. How's it looking for you? It's worthless. Um, you know, we, we won't get paid from the wall board this year. Um, I'm hoping we don't have any transport costs to pay, but um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But So they've collected your fleeces really just to get them off the farm? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we've not got many sheds. We can't really store it. I don't think it would particularly store very well uh, anyway. Um, I just wanted it out of the way, really. Um, if you ask me, it's a real sad sad thing because it's such a such a great product you know a byproduct of 
of the sheep industry, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing, you know, it's an insulator, you know, it, it's... Um, well, this is what I wanted to ask you about because there's been stories of using the wool for house insulation. Is that actually a practical, realistic option? Well, I can't see why it can't be done. In this day and age, you've got an abundance of wool um, and the government announcing that they're going to, you know, want to bring out this scheme to, to make everyone's house more, more efficient and um, I just can't see why they're not thinking about using wool. Um, you know, you've got a great product there which lends itself to that sort of thing. Um, and I just can't get my head around why they're not wanting to use it. They seem to be more interested in using man-made stuff, you know, mm. in the day and age that we live in where everyone's keen about protecting the environment and everything else, but they just don't seem to be able to see it with wool, you know, and it, it's, a, it's a great product and it's a sad thing that it's not, it's not going thought about. Does it need somebody to sort of take the initiative and say, hang on, we could, we could get a business out of this. There's loads and loads of wool out there. Uh, it's relatively cheap, sadly, at the moment, but somebody needs to take this wool and do something with it. Yeah, well, I think I'm sure there are companies out there that are using it for that purpose. But, um, yeah, whether it just needs pushing a bit more, whether the wool board needs to push it a bit more or, you know, whether they need to have meetings with, with the government and and uh, sit down and come up with some sort of deal um, where it is getting used, um, surely it's got to be the best thing all round, really. So what will the wool board do with your fleece and everybody else's? Well, I mean, I th- they store it, I think, and then, then it goes for auction. It, um, I think they have a once-yearly auction where they then try and sell it on our behalf, basically. I think that's how it works. Um and then you normally get paid for what they can get get for it, but um, they obviously know the market and they realise that it's not worth any money this time, and and they've sort of said that they're not going to, there won't be any value no. attached to it this time. So but, I'm assuming yeah. you're not planning to, uh, or you're not expecting to get any money out of this, even when the auction comes around. No, no, no. They've said there won't be any money, so mm. it's, it's something that you've got to, something that has to be done anyway. If you keep sheep, you know. They need shearing uh, for welfare issues and everything else, you know. So it's just something that has to be done. Um, mm. But it's again, it's a, it's it's something in in the business that is losing you money, and it's um, it's wrong. I think it's about the only industry that you could actually say that that happens. I can't think think of many other industries where you say, well, we've got to do this, but uh, the product that we have off it is worthless. Yeah, and, it's uh, crazy. It's costing you money to do it. It's crazy, really, isn't it? It's crazy. So hopefully we'll get back to the events where you can sell your lamb. And uh, I, I did like the picture you, you tweeted of uh, the lamb bacon, which I must admit I've never tried. I'm going to have to try that. Uh, it looks, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. do like lamb, and it looks incredibly tasty to me. <laughs> it's going down really well, the lamb bacon is, yeah. It's uh, something that we thought we'd try, and it took a bit of getting right. Um but, yeah, we think we've got it about right now, and it, it does seem to be going down really well. Good, man. Well, I wish you all the best, Chris. Thanks for uh, taking your time this morning with us. Chris Elkington from Galston Lambs, thanks for joining us on the farming programme. No problem. Thank you very much. Sean's here with Agronomy. Good morning, Sean. Uh, it's sad, isn't it, to hear of problems around such an important sector of agriculture? 
Yes, good morning, Steve. Yeah, it's very, very troubling when any part of any industry is struggling, but particularly poignant, I think, when the sheep industry is struggling. I was a shepherd for three years when I first left school, so they hold a special place in my heart. But every single person living here in the UK owes the sheep industry everything we are today. We owe them our existence and we owe them the prosperity of the nation which has allowed itself to build to where we are today. Because without the sheep industry throughout the Middle Ages, which were building the prosperity of the UK as a result of selling their meat and the wool and the carcasses, so we were producing our own food, our clothing, our shelter, all to do with sheep. And I hope that with Brexit, the prosperity of the sheep industry takes yet another step upwards because you know we produce the most welfare friendly sheep and beef our livestock industry in the uk is second to none the quality of the product we produce is second to none so why should we be sourcing it from elsewhere when we can do it better than anybody else right here so i keep my fingers crossed that this is just a blip and we go back to a big peak for the sheep and livestock industry and agricultural industries in general as we move through the next few years um so the agronomy um piece then short and sweet this week not an awful lot of agronomy happening although we will come on to the little bit there is harvest well underway out there it's a cure it's egg of all seed rape it's good in parts yields vary from disastrous one ton per hectare yields right up to 5.4 tons per hectare with no real reason as to why the 5.4s done more than done that and the one tons have done that and it's a it's a difficult situation we find ourselves in where we're growing a crop on a on a wing and a prayer hoping that we'll get it to harvest we can't do that it's not sustainable um, what's noticeable out in the field though is there are far fewer cabbage stem flea beetle adults this year than there were last harvest last year they were crawling out of the trailers there were that many and crawling out of the store doors there were that many this year it's really just a scattering so i wonder whether the weather in the spring the the wet february all of those things have come into play and we've started to get a little bit of mother nature helping us to control who knows what i do know is that it was very clear from what i was seeing in the spring on the crops that made it through the winter that it was rape winter stem weevil larvae i was finding in the stems far 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 more regularly than i was cabbage stem flea beetle so i think the thing to remember if you can learn a lesson from last year which there aren't many years you can learn lessons because every year is different i've been doing this job 32 years and i've yet to see a normal year but unless there is a forecast of rain and you're drilling late august onwards and let's face it the crops aren't going to be off the field in time to let us go and drill much earlier than that in many cases you need to make sure there's a forecast of rain because i think the poor establishment in the drought that hit from the 15th of august to the 23rd of september caused as many problems with getting rape to harvest as did pests but anyway let's uh as my dad would say let's jump that bridge when we've crossed it right winter barley another mixed bag but better than expected out there harvest wise anything from 2.6 tons per acre up to 3.8 tons per acre and a lot of it depends upon soil type moisture holding uh, capabilities whether it's got organic matter whether it's brushy whether it's light whether it's heavy all of those things like any other year are coming into play i've got no spring barley spring wheat or winter wheat harvested on my patch yet remember if you're going out there and you're going to do a pre-harvest application of glyphosate to even up the crop for goodness sake check with the uh, the buyers if it's milling wheat or malting barley don't use glyphosate on seed crop it can affect the quality of the straw so if you're producing your straw for livestock be aware of that it may be that if your combine's capable of dealing with these late tillers you should do that stick it on the the floor in the store for a couple of days before you move it and that might be the best way of dealing with it and also make sure you don't exceed the total season dose for the glyphosate that you use 
using because that's a 12-month period and a lot of products have different restrictions so check all of that and speak to your advisor remember 30 percent moisture content of the grain is crucial on a cereal crop that means the grain will hold an imprint of your thumbnail that is 30 percent it's physiologically right then and the glyphosate will only tidy up and act as a harvest management it is not a desiccant peas again moving very very quickly pre-harvest glyphosate don't use it on a seed crop 30 percent moisture is the key when those seeds in the top pods are very rubbery and split under a lot of pressure spring beans just allow them to go on their own once the pods have set chocolate spot coming in on spring beans will help you to desiccate them um, so spray spring beans off when the pods go black and that is a long long way off really yet yeah. the sugar beet then virus everywhere as we talked about last week you can find beet yellows beet mild yellows you can find beet mosaic beet chlorosis all of those viruses are out there along with manganese magnesium nitrogen deficiencies sodium deficiencies out there in the field the first signs of rust i found the other day out near newark so fungicide timing looms there are very very few choices actually for fungicides in sugar beet so as always timing is crucial but do take the opportunity to stick a bit of manganese magnesium in there with that fungicide it costs you pence and will correct that widespread deficiency which is very very noticeable out there in the field and some of which is being confused with the uh, symptoms of virus potatoes blight i'm not going to go on about it but it might be worth putting in tuba blight specific products now at this stage of the season maize keep your eyes open for eye spot as i said last week potentially a high risk year with the weather pattern that we've had um so I'm really getting tired now. I'm not just this morning. I'm getting ready for a holiday. So let's see what the next seven days bring us, Steve. Cheers, Sean. Gritty teeth. It's only a week till your holiday. In a moment, we'll hear from Kit Dickinson from Openfield with the latest market and prices report. We'll talk about some interesting new tech and hear of the CLA's latest proposals to reform the rural planning process. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. The rural economy, like all others, faces many challenges which need to be overcome to get things moving again. One of which, according to the Country Land and Business Association, the CLA, is the need for a reformed planning system. They say the current system leads to wasted expenditure and decision-making that seems to fly in the face of rural interests. Kath Crowther is the regional director of the CLA. Kath, tell us about your paper, Rural Powerhouse, a planning system designed for the rural economy. What we've said is that the rural areas are less productive than urban areas because of the policy platform. Now, we think that there's um, huge opportunity um, under various different topics, including connectivity. The second point is around um, planning. And we think that the current system is restrictive and inefficient, and it leads to wasted expenditure, unrealistic demands, and outdated perceptions of what the economy in rural areas is. Now, this is more important than ever, given the current situation with COVID and the impact that that has had on um, the economy everywhere, but um, especially in rural areas. So the proposals um, suggest amendments that could be made fairly quickly and at limited cost so that we can get the economy back up and running in rural areas. 
And one of the things you're asking for is exempting farm buildings, new farm buildings, from the community infrastructure levy. What's what's that levy? So the community infrastructure levy was initially introduced for housing and economic development. Um, and typically it would replace a Section 106. Now, some local authorities are applying the fill requirement to agricultural buildings, so grain stores um, and farm buildings. Now, those buildings do not justify that cost. And what we're finding is that if fill does apply to those buildings, those buildings aren't put up because they tend to be large buildings and even at a fairly low rate per square metre, it makes that project uneconomical and it means that farm businesses cannot progress because they're not investing in the, in the farm business by improving facilities um, on the farm. And you're talking about opening up the local plan to be a bit more segmented so you can get on with one bit as soon as that segment's been approved. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so at the moment, the housing policies are the ones that almost always hold up the local plan. There tends to be a lot of discussion and negotiation over housing numbers in an area. Um, now, if that could be dealt with separately all of the other policies which are agreed for instance on rural economic development on diversification projects then it would mean that local authorities could progress with those sections even if the housing policies are not agreed so we were effectively separating out domestic dwellings for instance and farming and other uh, commercial properties is that right mm -hmm. yeah so so really just making sure that if there's one section if the the housing the large-scale housing development and the allocation of sites which tends to be the most controversial um if that could be dealt with separately you know the, the rest of the local plan um can progress provided that's agreed and has this paper gone to government what's the next step yeah, so we've um, sent this into government. The, the aim is to inform decision-making ahead of forthcoming government policy papers, um, which we're expecting later in the year. So there were some announcements made a few weeks ago, mainly affecting urban areas. But um, you know, this is something that we were already preparing um, but I think it's even more essential now with the COVID situation and the requirement to bounce back. Um, and the fact that rural economies can play a huge part in that. And also, we're likely to see things changing after COVID. You know, there seems to be a lot more interest from people perhaps working from rural areas. Um, and there may be opportunities um, there rather than people being in towns and, and cities. Now, if a listener wants to have a good old look at this report, where can they find it? It's available on the CLA website. Um, it's currently on the, the homepage, um, but if they look at a planning system designed for the rural economy, then the paper should come up. Cass Crowther, Regional Director for the East for the CLA. Many thanks for joining us again. Great, thanks very much.
Oh, and all the best, Kath, with the birth of your first child expected in a couple of months. And if Kath is your contact at the CLA, Lee Murphy will be looking after things during Kath's maternity leave. Most farms use various forms of technology to monitor what's going on, making decisions on crop treatment, care of animals, water levels and so on. Much of that tech is not compatible with other tech, so we end up having numerous devices and platforms which need to be accessed separately. What if there was one platform that brought all these disparate sources of information together? Robin Jackson is director at Agritech Cornwall, and they've been working towards that end. Robin, you say you've created a platform on which farmers can view all of their information and use it to improve decision making. In practical terms and for the non-techies amongst us, what does that mean? So we've, we've been working with a company called Glass Data. And uh, Glass Data are the technology specialists who have identified that in agriculture you can get uh, a multiplicity of different sources of information, either machine information that's coming direct from devices, and there's many different sorts of devices, you know, and then you get the sort of tabular information that can come from software systems, and then you get the other information that people can be effectively making observations on and entering in by hand. And that is... Uh, a significant challenge for agriculture because no farm is uniform. You know, each farm is different. The type of production is different. The type of soil are different. The livestock and the crops may be different. Uh, the climate will be different. Um, and even, you know, the nature of the skills of uh, the, uh, the farmers and their farm staff uh, may be different. So what you really need is the ability to have a platform that can start taking in different sorts of information and uh, to work with the farmer to identify what is the information they need to have on hand, you know, stuff that they need to look and see on a regular basis, and even on some of them uh, to identify, well, what isn't information they need to say, but effectively it puts an alarm out because something isn't working. So that's where glass data specialism comes in. So at the Rural Business School, um, working with Verfacil and glass data, Verfacil is a company that has a range of these smart sensors. So they can uh, integrate a whole range of, uh, I guess you could say, much lower cost sensors into the farm environment, everything from water to emissions uh, to aspects of soil quality, um, to looking at pumps and energy meters and uh, other forms of uh, you know, metered readings that might be available on the farm or through farm instrumentation. And they can put it into, um, uh, uh, it's like wiring up your home internet, uh, a secure little internet environment where the farm can suck all this information back to the database, this, this, this platform that Glass Data has created. So these are the two technology companies that we're working with, and each one has developed their own innovations, um, either from the instrumentation and how it gets stitched together, and that's Verfacil, or from the data platform and how farmers can start making use of the information that sits on that platform, and that's Glass Data. OK, so uh, to, from my understanding, then we have various sensors of various different types in different places around the farm, water, uh, the cattle, the soil, and that sends then signals back to some kind of Wi-Fi 
situation. Uh, again, I'm taking this down to a much, much lower level than you, Mike. But uh, so I'm it's sensors send information back to one central point, and then I, as the farmer, can view this and extract data from it and see where there's a problem, see whether where things need to be done. Is that in simple terms what we're talking? Indeed it is. So as a, a farmer might have to work from a multiplicity of different apps and different dashboards and turn on different devices to get a, to get a status update. And Glass Data's system is trying to enable all of these different sources of information to feed into one place and to be able to overlay other sources of information on top. Um, and the Verficil system is just like the individual components that you can now add to it to start measuring some of the things that you now identify as being important for you, uh, in addition to what might be you know, the, the movement sensors of a, of a cow or the bolus that's associated with a cow or a water meter or the fact that um, you haven't turned on uh, a vital piece of equipment at a particular time before, uh, you know, the, 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 the dairy lorry turns up. This all, it all makes a heck of a lot of sense, and I'm going to again be, drop it down to a very basic level now. One of the problems we have in rural areas is signal quality on things like Wi-Fi, and uh, we're, we're nowhere near things like uh, 5G or anything like that by a long, long way in many areas. Can signals get you know get through to the central point okay are we relying on a decent broadband signal or a decent mobile signal for this yes and no uh, the the farm can exist within its own uh, uh shortwave network so the system that verficil uses called LoRaWAN, and that's a long range uh, uh wide area network and that's a very low power network um, that can travel quite some considerable distance around the farm and take the information that's being received directly back to the farm gateway, in a sense, where that information is being stored. The next step is to take that out to the Internet, and it doesn't require too much bandwidth. But you're right, that's where the super-fast broadband, or the lack of it, uh, might be an issue. But the LoRaWAN system... Uh, the uh, the Verficil gateway, for example, can be put through, um, you know, 3G or 4G on a mobile SIM, or it could be plugged into uh, copper or fiber, effectively into the internet, and it doesn't take a large amount of bandwidth. And the same thing applies with the glass data system, which sits on the internet, um, where that dashboard um, doesn't take up a large amount of bandwidth uh, to operate. Excellent. Robin, where can we find out more information about this? Well, um, you've got the Agritech Cornwall website, so that's www.agritechcornwall.co.uk. Now, that's our initiative we use to support technology businesses that are developing technologies in Cornwall. Um, Glass Data and Verficil have their own websites. It's www.glass, that's G-L-A-S, hyphen data d-a-t-a dot co dot uk and www v for victor e-r-f for freddy a-c-i-l dot co dot uk so that's www dot dot co dot uk 
Excellent. Thank you so much for that, Robin Jackson from Agritech Cornwall. I do appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning. Well, it's been great for you for having me, and uh, I hope the weather's as good over your way as it is mine. To the markets and prices now, Kit Dickinson from Openfield joins us once again. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. Favourable US weather is probably the largest factor for this week. The Monday crop condition report was expected to give another fall in the maize condition, but alas, it didn't. Ratings for May stabilised, meaning that the damp conditions last week adds to the anticipation of a large crop. This, in turn, had a negative effect for wheat, which looks like an expensive alternative. Wheat found a bit of traction, having been potentially oversold Tuesday and Wednesday this week, but not much else in honesty changed. The stabilising US maize ratings of Monday night caught a few out, which essentially is a problem. More rain is forecast, which is easing the concern of a hot, dry weather that some were talking about two to three weeks ago. The rain is directly over the maize belt, with a normal amount predicted in the 8-14 to day forecast. Cheap maize is limiting global wheat at the moment. The pound weakened a little versus the euro, which also helped our values. The euro, finding some strength after the EU aid package was agreed, currently at 90.73p versus the euro. I've not personally seen any wheat yields yet, but there has been some cut down in Cambridgeshire and Herefordshire, one being reported as pretty poor and the other very respectable. Nothing in the open field labs that I can see currently, but lots of barley and rape still to do in the area, which will have continued varying results. Barley, despite the strength of the euro, it was noticeable that feed barley bids were lower into ports. Predictable harvest pressure of rejected malting barley looking for a home albeit, though, not in as much volume as we would normally be facing. Oilseed rate markets were a tad lower this week. Bids were lower on the French Matif too. Movement is going well into stores, with Irith still closed. The rumour is for a September opening. Yields remain disappointing, with many areas outside Lincolnshire struggling at close to one tonne an acre. This all adds up to the UK crop being less than one million metric tonnes. This is half where we were just four years ago. Globally, however, we have seen a recovery in the neighbouring veg oil markets. The AHDB ran an article this week discussing the improved crush demand. The question is, who will supply this demand if there is a limited amount of oilseed rape to be marketed this year? Moving on to prices this week for feed wheat, July 155 to 157, August 160 to 162, November 165 to 167, February 168 to 170, and May 21, 171 to 173. Million wheat premiums are still 25 to 27 pounds. July all seed rape is 327 to 329, with the same value for August of 327 to 329. November 336 to 338, February 339 to 341. May 344 to 346. Moving on to feed barley, July 123 to 125, August 124 to 126, November 128 to 130, February 131 to 133, and May 21, 134 to 136. An indication of malting premiums are circa £6 currently. Thanks, Kit. Have a good week. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast.
Pressure remains a little bit low until the middle of the week. Uh, we do have some rain expected most days this week, especially Monday. A cooler week, certainly until Friday, when the summer looks to return, for a couple of days at least. A little rain expected through the middle of the day today. Winds from the southwest in the mid-teens MPH and highs of around 19 or 20 Celsius. Up to 10 millimetres of rain is expected for Monday. Cloudy all day with a slightly lighter southerly wind. A cooler day with highs in the mid-teens Celsius. Tuesday and Wednesday bring westerly winds in the mid-teens MPH, mostly dry with some sunny spells and temperatures up to around 19 Celsius. A cloudy end to the week with a little rain forecast on Thursday, gentle southerly breezes and highs of 17 Celsius on Thursday, but getting significantly warmer on Friday, highs around 27 Celsius. Summer's back, albeit briefly. I'm Steve Orchard. Thanks for your company on the Farming Programme, which returns same time next week and, of course, is available now on the website and the app. Stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.